Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is our live version of the trade deadline preview show joining us as always is chris lisa new york islanders contributor for the fan-sided blog page i guess you would say ion isles fs also today special guest zach devine uh sharks writer for the hockeywriters.com also writes for dauber prospects hockey profits and you can follow him at zach the bear on twitter that's c-a-k-k the bear and also, longtime friend of the show, Matt Pryor, is back with us to look look ahead at the Florida Panthers, who seem to be trying to get back into it, as well as the Dallas Stars. He's the lead Dallas Stars writer at the Hockey Writers, and he covers the Florida Panthers for them as well. He's also, you got to keep your eye out, he's writing a biography of Tex Ricard. Um, and you can follow him on Twitter, at BigTex1926. I'm Mark Warner, your host, and everybody knows me. What's up, boys? Uh, Chris? Good day to you, sir. I know you had to shovel your way out of the of the snow once again this week, having a uh, having a big show. It seems like you always get blasted by the snow out 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 east there on Long Island, sir. You recovered from that yet? Yeah, I, I kept having um, reoccurrences in my head of replaying the scene in Miracle with Kurt Russell playing Herb Brooks of uh, that that practice they had after the game, making them kind of go back and forth, skating line to line. It, it kind of felt like that. Again. Second half of that show. Again. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, Is that what you were uh, feeling like when would you, you were done, yeah. done shoveling? Yeah. <laughs> you lose your guts in? Well, yeah, like the second half of it, yeah. So uh, 15 inches uh, or so. So uh, uh, anyway, and a lot of drifts. But uh, looking forward to the show uh, show today. Do we have everyone on the line? Yes, we do. Zach, good day to you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, awesome. And and I know Matt's there as well. Matt, hello, sir. Good afternoon. It's great to be here. 
uh, just barely afternoon where I'm sitting here in in beautiful Las Vegas. Um, let me start. Let me start. I guess I'll go to Zach first. Um, on the surface of things, with the Sharks uh, in particular, they have you know Western Conference champion Stanley Cup representative from the West last season. Um, widely expected to be a, a deep run into the playoffs again this year. Um, they've fallen on a little hard times of late. Um, a couple of bad losses here in the last week. Um, does management see, feel like they're they're stable enough to stay the course, uh, given that you have the, basically most of the big players on the roster intact from last year? Or if this trend continues in the next week or two, are they going to be looking to pull a trigger uh, at the trade deadline? And and if so, what pieces do you think they'll be adding? I don't think the Sharks really need a, a whole heck of a lot, truth be told. Uh, they've called up a number of players from the San Jose Barracuda who are also in first place in the Pacific Division in the AHL. They've got Timo Meyer uh, called up. They have Kevin LeBanc, who had two assists today uh, in, the, in the win against New Jersey, Marcus Sorensen adds a lot of speed. He's been a depth uh, forward. They've carted around the last little bit. I think the only thing the Sharks might look towards is maybe a depth defenseman, depending on Dylan DeMello's broken wrist. He's been their seventh defender, and that might be something that they look to improve just because you don't know, you know, after six to eight weeks out, you know, he's not supposed to be back till March. Uh, what that's going to look like, you know, heading into to a playoff run. Uh, I'm really high on DeMello. I, I think he could easily be a regular in the NHL right now. So if the Sharks really don't do much and with the expansion draft looming, uh, there's no reason to really add a massive shakeup uh, in the season and especially before uh, the NHL draft. I think the Sharks probably could stay the course, maybe add a bit piece uh, depending on Doug Wilson's whims. Okay, now going going into the going into the season, there were three, I mean, large names on the roster that are coming to UFA status. We're talking Brent Burns, Joe Thornton, and Patrick Marlowe. And to the best of my knowledge, none of them have been extended. Um, correct me if I'm wrong no, there, Burns but Burns, yeah, Burns, Burns was extended a, a couple months. Or, yeah, a couple months ago now, he signed an eight-year, uh, oh, okay. $80 million contract. So he's going to be with the Sharks uh, through, I believe, the twenty uh, through 2025, uh, if I'm doing my math right. So he's locked up. Marlowe okay. is, is kind of a – he's a bit of a wild card. I think he's going to have to take a bit of a hometown discount to stay with the Sharks. There's a lot of young players that are knocking on that door. Joe Thornton is pretty much going to be able to – negotiate whatever he wants it's ideally it would be a two-year deal he might get a three-year deal but i think that those deals are going to be after the expansion draft i think those are going to be a bit of a of a handshake deal to allow the sharks more flexibility with their protection list so i wouldn't be surprised if neither of those players are are uh re-signed uh ahead of the summer <clears throat> excuse me excuse me so that led that led into my question um coming at at ufa status um 
do either and the expansion and the expansion draft do either of those two have no movement clause where they would automatically be protected and take up uh, slots in the expansion draft? Well, they're UFAs, so you're able to expose them. Uh, both of them, I have uh, no movement clauses, uh, but they're UFA, so they're eligible to be exposed. I still don't think that Las Vegas would waste their pick from the San Jose Sharks on either of those players who are 37 years of age. The Sharks are going to lose a defenseman, really regardless of how they – if they go with the 8-1 or their traditional expansion uh, protection list at 7-3-1, uh, there's really no reason – I think for Las Vegas to not pluck one of the good San Jose Sharks defenders uh, away from that roster. Okay. Well, let, we'll get into a little bit of how that's going to affect what they do at the deadline um, a little bit later in the show. I want to throw it over to Chris and let him, uh, let him break the ice here with you a little bit. Chris. Hey, so uh, Matt, break us down with Dallas. Obviously uh, they've hit a, you know, they were probably pretty much a, a 500, you know, win one, lose one kind of situation. Or win one, lose one, lose one in overtime, really. And uh, they've had a number of losses lately. You know, they're, they're uh, it looks like they're about uh, six, they're six points going to today out of the wild card spot. To me, they would be uh, a team, when you say should a team sell, they would be the candidate. Because even if some somehow, some way they – snuck in that second wild card spot it's really hard to see them uh you know put be in a position to win that series and with free agents to be patrick eaves johnny oduya uh, as well as patrick uh patrick sharp they can get a they can get a, they can get a lot for those players uh i was reading today that some people feel johnny oduya would be a very wanted man uh between now and the trade deadline uh, and could be the best defenseman on the block given his pedigree of uh, playoff performance experience. So uh, do you expect the Stars to sell? I do. I do expect them to sell. Uh, you're you're right. You know, as, as I'm listening to you, I, I've got the scene from Slapshot running through my head. You know, we got a lot of losses, guys. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's been a rough season, and... Uh, yeah, they they need to get what they can for guys like Patrick Sharp uh, and uh, Eves. You know, Patrick Eves had two goals last night, and uh, that gives him 21 on the year. That's a career best for him. So uh, his his value, I don't know that it's ever going to be any higher than it is right now. And with his million dollar cap hit, um, I I think he's probably the most valuable piece the Stars have to deal right now. Um, Sharp, the the problem with Sharp, you know, I know a lot of people in Chicago have said that they, they would love to bring Patrick Sharp back, but, you know, he's got a $5.9 million cap hit, and, uh, you know, he seems to be recovered from his uh, concussion issues earlier this year, but the, the points are not coming yet. Uh, this is, has really been a down year for him. I think his stock is down right now, which is not to say – the stars can't still find a buyer, but I just think they're going to get more for Patrick Eves. Um, as far as Oduya goes, uh, I think he definitely would have value as a veteran defenseman. Uh, 
who's got his name on the cup, um, and his cap hit's not too bad, 3.75 mil. The the issue there is his injury. Um, I was told on Monday that he's about two weeks away from being evaluated uh, as to whether or not he can start skating again. And so that, you know, what – what are teams going to be willing to give up for a guy who may or may not be able to play before the playoffs? I don't know, but, but yes, I, I think they definitely should be sellers. Well, let me give you an now, alternate other- scenario. Let me, let me give you an alternate yeah. scenario there, Matt. Um, before the season started, you were hot into contract talks with Ben Bishop and Tampa Bay lightning. And you're only six points out of the playoffs, and there's only two teams in front of you with Vancouver, who I think is playing over their head, and Calgary, who, you know, I don't think should be a problem. If you if they were to open up the talks again, and Bishop has come out recently and said he's open to be traded, um, if you could move one of the two goalies and 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 a piece to pick up Ben Bishop. Does that put you guys back in the playoff race? Because I would contend that before you sell, that would be the only piece that, uh, I mean, you guys, uh, Dallas has been injured just off the charts this year. And if you could put a solid netminder in there and keep most of your, most of your pieces, I, I, I still contend that Dallas um, is a playoff team at that point. With, with, Better goaltending, I, I think the Stars uh, could be a playoff team for sure. The, the question is, how far can they go? Uh, and, and is it worthwhile to make a move to, to trade assets you could really use next year for Bishop now, not knowing if you're going to be able to re-sign him because, you know, uh, Next year, Jamie Benn's new contract kicks in, so his cap hit goes from 5.25 mil up to 9.5 mil. Um, And and you still got another year of Kari Lettman, you know, and this is assuming that you send Niemi back the other way uh, for Bishop. And, And given Tampa's cap situation, the Stars would probably have to retain salary on the Emmy. So um, I, at the beginning of the year, I was really high on bringing in Bishop. Um, I think the stars at this point are probably uh, taking the long view. I, I think they're looking at younger, cheaper goalies like Philip Grubauer in Washington, or maybe even Scott Darling. Um, and, and I think we will see Jim Neal make a move for a goalie sometime between the end of the regular season and the expansion draft, uh, when, when the playoffs are over and the caps need to move Grubauer or lose him to Vegas and the, the Blackhawks need to move Darling because they're likely not going to be able to re-sign him and they could very well lose him to Vegas. So that's that's what I the route that I see Jim Neal taking versus going for a big fish like Ben Bishop or even Mark Andre Fleury. Okay, Chris, back over to you. Yeah, and the other team to cover, Matt, the Florida Panthers. Uh, it's been a you know 
uh, this, after winning the division last year, a lot of trials and tribulations. Uh, you know, draw draw Gallant was fired. Um, at the same time, they've locked up a lot of these players long term. What do you see them in terms of the trade deadline now? I, I mean, is it they got Barkov and Huberdeau back from injury? Is is that basically going to be their trade deadline acquisitions? You think? I I don't think they're going to stop with with that. I, I mean, getting those two guys back is huge. No mistake about that. They're I think they're averaging what five goals a game, either four or five goals a game in the the three games that they've had those two players back. But uh, what the, the lesson I hope they've learned is that injuries happen, and you can never have too much scoring depth. And so I think they're going to pick up one, possibly two wingers. And in in that regard, I can see uh, where both Patrick Eves and and Sharp would be a good fit in Florida because the Panthers' power play is ranked 28th right now, and Eves would be a great addition to the power play because he goes to the front of the net. He screens the goalie. He takes his lumps. He puts in those rebound goals. That's exactly the kind of guy they need. And, And with Sharp, uh, the the advantage of him going to Florida would be that he's got his name on the cup and he can be a great mentor to all of their young guys whose playoff experience consists of the series last spring against the Islanders. And that's all I want to say about that series, Chris. <laughs> but but uh, I, I think – I think uh, guys like that, or maybe you know, looking beyond the stars, uh, guys like uh, Verbata or Jerome McGinley uh, could be potential pickups for them. Some some forward who can play on the third line and chip in a few goals and and provide good leadership and mentor uh, the young guys. I think that's what the Panthers are going to pursue. All right, back to you, Mark. Okay, well, we, we, we went with Zach, and we, and we kind of went through what, what the Sharks are looking at. Being out in the Pacific Division and the West Coast, I wanted to uh, to play matchmaker here. It seems like everybody on Colorado is available. And, it, and I saw in your, in your Twitter feed earlier this morning that um, obviously Anaheim is going to lose a defenseman at the expansion draft at the minimum. Um, are those two teams uh, seem to be a, a, a good fit come trade deadline? Is, is, I mean, it seems like Colorado is willing to sell the farm for a good piece. And if, if Stoner or, or one of the other young, young defensemen they have that they, they you know, won't be able to protect, um, and that also being Colorado's piece, that seems to me to be a match kind of made in heaven for those two. What? How do you see the Colorado Avalanche situation? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think Duchesne and Landeskog being on the block is it's a mistake. You know, they're Duchesne's twenty six, Landeskog's twenty four. Those are the pieces you help build around. You know, moving forward. I agree. Actually, you know, I, I, I if. Yeah, if they were 30 and, you know, 29 or, you know, even 20. I mean, you know, you look at what 
Patrick Hughes is putting together at age 33, you know, players are taking better care of themselves. So you've got these players that are locked up in, in very attractive contracts. Uh, I, I think that Colorado is going to make some kind of boneheaded move around that. Um, I don't agree with it, but you're right. Anaheim, if they're, if we're playing matchmaker here, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, even, even if you are taking, let's say a Cam Fowler, and I think it would have to be, uh, kind of somebody of that ilk, uh, Sammy Votnin, and I think they would be less likely to move. Uh, Chris Manson is, is over there. He's vastly underrated. There's a lot of pieces that Anaheim could dangle over there, especially when you have Brandon Montour waiting in the wings, um, who's a, a really skilled offensive defenseman if you move a Cam Fowler type. Um, so, th- so that kind of trade makes sense. I would also not discount Carolina. Carolina has a lot of really good young prospects. They've got a young blue line that uh, you could, you know, shove out there to the the West Coast, um, which makes to me a bit more sense. So because you're going to see those players uh, less frequently, you know, just two times a year at best. Um, so I wouldn't discount Carolina from from those talks as well. You know, it's funny. The only, the only concern I have is that Landeskog has had concussion issues and really hasn't got back up to the level of play he had earlier in his career. But, uh, you know, other than that, if, you, if you're thinking about a, a rebuild, which is weird to say with such a young roster, um, it, it seems like you move out of Ginla maybe and try and get some young pieces back for that as far as 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 a team that might just want that leadership and that depth in the in their forward core going into the playoffs rather than i mean landis i agree with you 100 percent on duchene and maybe about 80 percent on landis where it right. they know more about what's going on with him and and maybe diminishing returns from the style of play that landis plays and maybe that's already starting to affect him um but yeah, if you're st- if you're gonna retool, those are the guys that any other team would be building around, not trying to to move out. Um, but yeah, An- Anaheim's gonna. I, th- I look for Anaheim to be one of the busier teams because not not only um, positioning themselves for a playoff run, but with the expansion draft looming, and they could always hold on to those pieces until after the regular season, sure. But then you're gonna have fewer buyers at that point. Um, Anaheim, I think, is going to be one of the the busier teams come trade deadline. Agreed. I, you know, I'm of the opinion that the expansion draft is really going to mute a lot of trade deadline uh, moves. I think once we get past the Stanley Cup and and everything opens up again, I think that's when you're going to start seeing more movement. And then after the expansion draft, I think this year's uh, NHL draft, you're going to see it's going to be just the wild, wild west. That That's kind of where I slot in. Um, it kind of feels like that. Yeah, and, and, you're, and you're seeing it. You're seeing teams that are really uh, gun-shy, right? You know, they're, they're not making some of these waiver claims that people are kind of scratching their head at. Halak not being claimed was odd. Um, Andrew Hammond cleared waivers today. He's probably still a backup at, at some level. Um, but really for, for – uh, getting back to Aginla, I really worry what he has left in the tank. You know, he's definitely lost at least one step, maybe two. His cap hit is at 5.3. Where are you going to move that in 
in this landscape with the contenders already being a little gun shy to to move players uh you're getting a you know really the absolute last kick at the can for a ginla what are you going to realistically give up a a mid-round pick you know i'm certainly not going to give a first or a second round pick for a ginla i i just don't see it no and i i agree his price would be maybe third and and a a mid-level prospect but i'll tell you a team that uh already has some forward depth where again the might be very useful on their their penalty kill and um third line minutes would be the pittsburgh penguins i could see that that slot for him um and one more run at the cup um i i, I haven't seen anything about that but that, talking about again the uh and pittsburgh not having to move out really a roster player to pick that up. I don't know their cap situation. Um, but it's not that good. Would be, it's not good. Okay. But uh, if, if they don't have $5 million in the bank, uh, that, that kind of nixes that, but they've, they've done that in the past with Crosby. I remember, didn't they bring in Billy Garen towards the end of his career and, right. and make a run at the cup with him. So that's kind of their MO. Um, maybe, maybe Colorado retains, that salary and then you get up into the second round maybe I, I don't think a first still but maybe that bumps you up to second second round value if you're keeping some of that cap hit um let me jump over and and bring in chris since he is an islanders writer and we are talking a little bit about the avalanche right there i don't know i know there's been some some isles avalanche rumors what's going on on that front chris yeah, I mean, the Islanders are at a place where, I mean, if they're going to make a move before the deadline, it, it's it's going to uh, – Halak being traded to a Western Conference team for cap reasons for next year aside, it's going to be for a dynamic offensive forward. And really the, the only team out there uh, before the trade deadline that can really match up with them is Colorado. Now, they do match up really well. Uh, it was reported by out here by Arthur Staple in New York Newsday that – when the Islanders were really struggling, I think, for the second time this year. Uh, Garth wanted to make a move, contacted Joe Sackick, and Joe Sackick said, yeah, I'll trade you Matthew Shane, but you know, I want Travis Hamanick, Matthew Barzell, and Anthony Beauview. So once that conversation ended very quickly, uh, but they, they have been keeping in touch, supposedly. The Islanders do match up very well with Colorado. I mean, Colorado is going to want a package deal. You know, uh, Zach can tell you not every team has the prospect pipeline uh, to do, A, to do that, and those that do, uh, their cupboard might be, you know, a little thin, and that could really wipe out the cupboard. So they have that advantage. They can give up a top-four defenseman like a Travis Hamanick, who's only 26 years of age, who signed to uh, a cap-friendly deal the next three years at 3.85. Uh, and they're desperately, you know, would love to add a defenseman uh, solid in the zone of that elk, a young leader as well. And uh, they could also include a top potential top six forward not far away from the NHL in a Michael Del Cole or Kiefer Bellows. And Colorado's looking for a young goalie per Elliott Freeman, so maybe Atlanta Sun- Sunderstrom uh, as well as they have the uh, – Ilya Sorkin over in the KHL as well, although I don't think they would uh, trade him, even though he's, uh, you know, might be a, a future episode of the Americans on FX to get him out of Russia, to get him over here in North <laughs> America. But uh, 
But being that aside, they do match up very well. You know, it, it's really going to come down for Joe Sackett when he made the statement, I guess it was about a month ago, and he said, everyone in my organization is available except for Miko Ratton and Nathan McKinnon and Tyson, Tyson Jost, who was his first-round pick last year, is, you know, obviously he should get a lot for those two players if he moves them, but that doesn't mean, you know, someone, you know, if, he, if, if his – if in his mind, if it means someone has to give up the store and any one of us can make that trade and look like geniuses, uh, that's not going to happen. It, you know, can he get a, a good fair deal now from someone like the Islanders or Anaheim or Montreal or Carolina? I, I think he can. Uh, question is, there hasn't been a lot of winning Colorado, so does he have to, you know, win the deal? So basically, I'm saying. Does he have to get a dollar thirty on the dollar from Matt Duchesne? If that's the cost of doing business, I, I think he'll. This will be revisited in that interim, you know, after the expansion draft, you know, around the time of the draft, kind of kind of thing. So, uh, I, I, you know, like I said, for the Islanders, I, I think it's, you know, make a big deal or they're going to stay in pat. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess. I had one point for both of the for both Matt, go oh, Matt first, and and uh, and, and then uh, Zach. Uh, you know, uh, I got an email from Nick Guido of the Hockey Writers, who writes uh, for the Canadians, since uh, you know put a bow on this subject. Uh, you can find him at Nick Guido T H W, and he said that the Canadians are in win now mode, and he said the most pressing need is depth at center. And they're willing, you know, to dig deep in their prospect pool. Uh, obviously, Matt Duchesne would be a great fit there. Um, it would probably take their two top prospects in Mikhail Sergachev, who I believe was the ninth overall pick uh, defenseman, and Michael McCarron, uh, the young center, who I believe is 21 years of age, who uh, made the hockey news as top 50 prospect list within the last year. Uh, my question to both of you guys, we'll start with Matt, and then Matt, when you're done, I uh, can jump in, uh, is A, should the Canadians being, jump into the deep end of the pool like that uh, and for a deal now? Are they ready to beat the uh, beat the Capitals, beat the Penguins, and, and B, if they don't, uh, they're not going to beat them. You know, they have to make a move like that to really give themselves uh, a chance to beat those teams. I mean, I know it's always uh, a, a, it's always a tough call, right? Do you do you do you dive in and and sell your future for now? What what do you think about that in terms of the Canadians? Well, I, I think yeah, it's it's probably accurate to say they're in win now mode. I mean, Carey Price is 29 now. That's still fairly young for a goalie, but he is 29. Shea Weber is 31. So he's He's beginning to turn, if you will, if you want to compare him to fruits and vegetables. Um, Andre Markov's 38. So, yeah, I, I think if if they feel like they can make a move that's going to make them competitive with the Caps and the Penguins, uh, I think they have to do it. Yeah, you know, it, it makes sense. I mean, Sergachev would obviously be – kind of the linchpin to that deal, and I think that's giving up quite a bit. I'm not a huge Michael McCarron fan. Um, I thought that pick was 
a little bit of a reach. Um, but, you know, if they really want a bottom six center uh, coming back that, you know, that's young and, I mean, still has upside. I mean, he's, what, 21. So, you know, definitely has, you know, that ability uh, to mature further. But, again, you look at it, and then where do you go on 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 the the cap hit? You have Radulov, who's going to be a UFA. Shea Weber is holding down $8 million of that. You've got Carey Price for two more years at 6.5 they would have to ship some salary back the other way. And those two, you know, Sergachev doesn't count against the cap being down with the Spitfires uh, and McCarron's on his ELC. So where's that other piece um, that's going to make the, the numbers match? And I think that's where the Canadians are, are going to run into some trouble. I, I agree. They, they could uh, certainly benefit from – really getting an, uh, a, a top center. Uh, Thomas uh, uh, Plekanec, you know, his best days are behind him. He's still playing well. I, I, he's a player I really like, but they they need a top six center, and the price is going to be steep. And so if it, don't, if it costs you Sergachev, boy, that's, that's a lot. But maybe you have to. Well, we've seen them recently um, with the Subban Weber deal that they will, you know, part with a big piece in order to get what they think they need. So um, that's probably their biggest angle right now, wouldn't it be? Definitely. I, I mean, but after after Sergachev, probably their best defensive prospect is Noah Juleson who I've watched quite a bit with the Everett Silver tips, and he just doesn't have that offensive upside. Um, so really you would empty the defensive pipeline because um, it's pretty much just Sergachev. You know, they've they've got some some prospects down there, but, but none that really, uh, you know, I think are, are close to being uh, NHL ready. And I think that Sergachev is probably going to be the most impactful. Well, um, I guess Chris asked me about the Kings. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess the my question to you about the Kings will be, Mark, um, uh, obviously a scoring forward, you know, someone who wouldn't be in or the first three. rodeo. I yeah, uh, I, I think <laughs> Patrick Sharp could be a really good fit there. Now, as you know, Mark, uh, you know, your boy Dean Lombardi is a great GM, but he has really sold futures the last couple of years. Uh, you guys have not had a first-round pick. Uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, uh, if you go by many publications, Zach can speak to this better than I, but if you go by many publications, you know, they do not have a great farm system, uh, prospect pipeline. Um, so you're probably looking at, you know, I don't think they would trade their first-round pick, obviously, but for Patrick Sharp, but, you know, would they be willing to move a second and a third for – a veteran forward that's uh, that's for just let's say this year only, and is that where I, I imagine they where they would be going? Um, they do have a left wing prospect from Sweden, Adrian Kempe, who might might be enticing if you wanted to lower that. Oh, I didn't think I wouldn't card. think they would give him. I, I wouldn't think they would give him up. Would they? If, 
would they dangle him? If if they are in a win now mode, which to me is questionable. I was talking to you earlier in the week about how they only have two players hitting double digits in goals and we're freaking 50 games in the season. One of them, obviously Jeff Carter with 30, um, having, having maybe his best season and Tanner Pearson down at 16 goals last, last I checked and no one else with more than nine on the roster. So if, if you think that their defense is going to be, you know, as young as their defense is but behind, obviously, Dowdy, Muzz, and Martinez. Um, if they think that they can play the King-style hockey and go deep in the playoffs, then I think they would dangle uh, a Kempe and a, and a second or a third for a Patrick Sharp. I don't know if that's something that – and then you have salary cap uh, implications as well. But um, I, I don't believe that the Kings – are going to be a deep playoff run. I mean, they're sitting in the the first first wild card spot in the West right now, and if if anyone in Kingsland is waiting for Jonathan Quick to come back and and save the day, if you will, I that don't I don't see his numbers being any better than Peter Budai's has been all season. I think Peter Budai has to be in the question. You know, if you leave him in. He has to be in one of the the Vesna conversation at the end of the season. He's top three in wins, top three in goals against, and top three in save percentage. Um, I don't I don't see Quick coming off. You know, he hasn't played a meaningful game of hockey in just about a year almost. Um, I don't I don't see him coming back in and doing any better than a two point oh one and a nine ninety two something save percentage. Um, so I, I don't think that happens. Our good friend J.D. Styles, who was supposed to uh, join us today, but was unavoidably, um, let's say, taken taken from our midst, um, had an interesting comment when we were doing doing our show earlier in the season. And he thinks that they would make Jake Muzzin available. Um, they won't be able to protect as many defensemen as they want, and if they think that McNabb and um, Forbord or – a couple other young defensemen down downstairs. They just brought up Paul Ledoux, um, Kevin Gravel. Also, if they think that is the future and they're not in, a, you know, they're going to go four four on the protection. Then, what what if I offered Matt Pryor uh, a Jake Muzzin for a Patrick Sharp? What is what does Matt Pryor think about that trade? You know. Uh... That that might not be a bad deal. Um, Straight up, it is, is not too bad. Yeah, it's four million. Um, yeah, I, I think Jim Neal would take that. I really do. And and I think he would be happy to throw in either Niemi or Letnin for Budai as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I would agree that 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 would be something that Dallas would ask for, but I. I don't see that being at least going the other way. Um, hey, that, just think about it. That's all we ask. <laughs> uh, oh, we'll we'll think about it. But you know, to quote uh, quote Sheriff Buford T. Justice, you can think about it, but don't do it. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I I'm a I'm a. I'm a Peter Budai fan. I think he's got to be the Kings MVP along with Jeff Carter this year. But if they do 
you know, I, I'm under the, and I, I talk with Chris about this quite a bit. I don't think that they're a, they're a team that can win the Stanley Cup this year. So I think they have to be looking to the future, and I think they have to decide on which defensemen they think are going to play the King-style hockey that, that Dean Lombardi and Coach Sutter play. And I don't think that they should be buyers at at the deadline this year. I think that the, Dean Lombardi, as Chris just said, um, haven't you know gave away a first round pick for Sakara and he went to Edmonton, gave away a first round pick to Lucic, he went to Edmonton. Are we seeing a pattern here? Um, let's let's keep those draft picks and you know maybe maybe deal um, a muzzin for a prospect and and a, and a good pick and you know maybe if Dallas wants to throw in a, a second with Sharp, then maybe we could talk about Zach Koff <laughs> going the other way for Naomi. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in that, but um, no, I, personally, I don't think they should. I don't think they can win Stanley Cup this year, even if Quick comes back and plays Quick's best hockey, uh, a la the 2012 playoffs, and I don't see that being being a real practicality. I don't know. Uh, I know Zach's seen a lot of, of – of the Kings over the years. Um, what's your opinion on the Kings, Zach? Uh, the Kings are just prolonging the pain. The, the Kings need a, mm-hmm. a, a proper teardown. Um, you know, you look at who they've brought in. Teddy Purcell is down with uh, with the Ontario Rain. I'm going to watch him again tonight when the uh, Barracuda play the Rain um, with their seven-game winning streak on the line. So we'll just get that in there real quick. There we go. <laughs> um, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt Green is down there as well. I mean, they've got a lot of NHLers buried down there. Uh, yeah. You, you know, right now. Um, Setaguchi went on, on waivers. Uh, Zatkoff has been, we'll call it middling. You know, he, he hasn't been good, you know, uh, especially compared to Budai. Um you know, there's just a. It's kind of what what's going on there. There's really no clear direction with, with this franchise, and outside of Adrian Kempe, who's, you know, he's still got some work to do. I've seen him quite a bit with the Rain. Um, he's their best prospect. They've already called up who they've got uh, on the defense. Um, you know, Jake Muzzin is locked in at a very affordable four million uh, for really a you know, middle pairing, borderline number two uh, defender. So, you know, I understand that, you know, the expansion draft is looming, and so they're going to have – I think the Kings especially will go uh, with a 4-4 protection. Um, Boy, it kind of gets back to, yeah, the Sergachev thing where defensemen are really tough to – they're, they're tough to draft. They're tough to groom. And once you've got that top four cemented, you know, we see the same with the Sharks. They're probably going to go 4-4 to protect their, uh, you know, top pairings. So one way or another, the Kings need to be sellers. That's really the takeaway. They're, I think they might be buyers, but outside of, you know, getting younger, getting a player that is going to help them not just today, but for the next five to six years and, be part of that retooling, if not a rebuild, it's going to be a mistake. 
I agree. And with Muzzin, um, he has led the league in Corsi uh, and been second or third in Corsi at two of the last three seasons. So <clears throat> if you were going to dangle and, and you were going to gonna buy <clears throat> for the type of player you just mentioned, and this rumor has been floated, Muzzin for Landeskog, um, I, I know I think that bringing in Landeskog just gives you another big-bodied 15 to 20-goal scorer is where he is right now. Um, and you're giving up, you know, one of the best Corsi players in the league. I don't even know if that would be a good deal for the Kings. I, I don't think so. I mean, and where would you slot him in? You have uh, Gabrick, who's making, what, $10 million? You know, on, <laughs> on your top left wing. You have Tanner uh, Pearson, who is your number two goal scorer, if you're trading Jake Muzzin for a Landeskog that you're going to plug in on the third line with like a Nick Dowd as his center, that's just a waste. Yeah, well, you have uh, Gabrick has not been playing too often with Kopitar on that on that top line. Okay. He's been he's been going third. I, he's you know Sutter's used a a Dowd set a Gucci Gabrick and and. Had, he's actually been playing uh, Dustin Brown and Dwight King up with Kopitar on quite a few shifts. So um, I, I don't even know what you do with Gabrick. You can't you can't move him. He's still locked up. Um, they're kind of they're kind of in that that boat, like you said. That it's time to uh, take that step back, r- recognize where you are as a franchise, and keep keep the assets that you do have. Your young your young players that that will develop and and Please keep your draft picks if you're in LA. Um, that's kind of kind of rough. Chris, uh, let me go over into the Eastern Conference wild card race, where it seems like, and it doesn't seem like it is. Everybody in the Eastern Conference is within six points of that that second wild card, which I think is the only spot available in the East right now. I think the Rangers are are pretty much. You know, if they're not in third place, they're going to be the the second wild card. Um, what are the other hot teams there in the East that are maybe just behind the Islanders uh, in that middling New, New Jersey, Carolina, Florida, um, Buffalo? Even is still in it. What's what down? What's down the pipeline from the Islanders that uh, you hear any hot rumors about heading into the deadline? Well, I think it's almost like the old expression, you know, it's day-to-day. You win one day or you win two games in a row, you're looking really good on that list. You lose a game, all of a sudden you can take a step back, um, which is going to make it very difficult, I think, for teams uh, to sell and tell their fan base, uh, uh, you know, we're going to trade this player for a prospect or a pick. I mean, obviously Detroit, I think, is in danger of – you know, having that uh, streak finally come to an end. Do they move a Thomas Vanek? I mean, they it's not just the points, it's the amount of teams. So, uh, you know, does Buffalo, you know, trade uh, a Kulikov who they can get a nice, you know, maybe a couple of draft picks for, not a first, but maybe a second and a fourth kind of thing for a team looking to patch up their uh, their defense or, or, or Nielsen for a team uh, – uh, you know, looking in, in terms of their goaltending. But again, the closer they are, it's harder to sell to that 
to that fan base, in terms, especially if you're talking about draft picks, which, you know, are two, three years away, you know, at least a couple of years away, mostly, especially if you're talking about a second, third, or fourth round pick, talking about anywhere from best case scenario two years away to four years away. So, um, I think it's I think it's kind of difficult to uh, in in the East, you know, and you know maybe the Flyers could sell a Mark Strait and uh, and bring up a Sammy uh, Morin uh, or Robert Haig. So they there there's a team, you know, they can you know move one kind uh, of uh, kind of situation, but it's a total jumble, and especially for the Atlantic teams because the Atlantic teams, in addition to that second wild card spot. You know the the you know spots two and three are up for grabs. I mean, Boston is currently um, in the third automatic spot in the Atlantic, but they've played I think almost four or five games more than everyone else. So their their situation is not as even though it's tight, it, it's really not that great uh, when you think about the games in hand uh, situation. So uh, I think it's going to make it difficult for any of those teams to sell. Now that doesn't mean they can't make a hockey trade, but we. We see how uh, difficult that's been, uh, you know, this season for teams to do. Well, we had, we had Chad D. Demonics on on last week uh, talking Buffalo Sabers hockey. I want to go back to them a little bit because a player that's all over the map on the on the rumor front that you didn't mention is Evander Kane. Either either depending on where you look, he's not available or he's available for a very bargain price. Um, do you see them moving Evander Kane? Uh, I I I don't know how Matt and I like to hear Matt and Zach's opinion on on this. So maybe we go Matt and then Zach. Yeah, but to me, I, I don't see how he gets moves. First of all, he, he signed through next year at a five point two five million dollar cap hit. Um, you know, he even when he's played played well, which you know statistically when you look at games played versus points, it's been it's been good. Not going back to his career year in Winnipeg, which has been a while now. I you know I get it. He's only 25 or 26, but he is injury prone, and you know he's had off the ice problems in in Buffalo and Winnipeg, which is not exactly. Safe. So um, I, yeah, it's and, not and Vegas. Buffalo can't. Yeah, yeah. So he he can't. You know, and they're not going to be able to trade him unless they get a good haul back because they're hurting their team now in terms of selling. Um, so you add all that up, and I don't see how he how he gets moved. I don't, uh, maybe we get Matt's opinion, and then uh, jump to Zach. Yeah, I I think because of the issues you mentioned, uh, most especially him being injury prone. I mean, I, while you were talking, I looked it up, and in the 2011-2012 season, he played 74 games, and that's the closest he's come to playing a full season, and. Since then, his his high is 65 games last year. Uh, so that's that's definitely got to be a concern. And with his cap hit, and in fact, his uh, looking on cap friendly here, his salary is even higher than his cap hit uh, next year. It's 5.25 mil cap hit, like you said, but his salary is six million. So any team that's pinching pennies, say say Florida, Arizona, what have you. Uh, I don't think they're going to want a guy like that, and and I would think that a great many GMs out there would have a wait and see approach toward Kane. 
Yeah, I, th I think Kane is is the classic example of cause for pause. Um, there's a lot nice. of talent there, but there's a lot of baggage, um, both on the ice and off the ice. You know, you've you've got a player that you know you're probably only going to get eighty percent of the season out of. Um, you know, he's big, he's physical, he plays a reckless game, um, so those are going to happen, but again this kind of gets back to kind of my theme it's that's a kind of trade that once the salary cap is figured out once the expansion draft has happened and teams might have lost you know a really good young player that they were hoping evolved into a evander kane level offensive production that those types of trades might start to make sense um i agree 100 with with matt that you know having being upside down on that contract is going to take some suitors away um, you know, some it, it's going to take the the petty pitchers, as he put it. That's and those are usually the kind of teams that need the offense. So I think that limits his market um, even further. Yeah. Okay. I got a good one for both uh, uh, for both Matt and and, and Zach. Uh, I mean, let's talk New York Rangers here. Now uh, I got a, a good inf uh, good email from Russ Cohen yesterday at Sportsology. You can follow Russ at, at Sportsology, also part of the HockeyBuzz.com, and you can follow his website at Sportsology.com. We've had him on the show; he's great. And trying to get a feel for him because I feel like the Rangers are in a very <laughs> interesting spot here. I mean, I think they're going to beat out Columbus for that uh, automatic spot, but I don't think that's a good thing. I, I think if you if you told me today that the Rangers were going to be the number one wild card and would face Montreal in the first round, uh, I would tell you, in my opinion, is that's a 50-50 series. And if they somehow got past that series, I would love them in the next round. Uh, if you told me they're in the automatic top three of the Metro, and just to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, they're going to have to beat Pittsburgh and most likely Washington. I, I I don't think they're on the, those teams' level currently constituted. But this is a team that has traded their futures away for years. They have not had a first-round pick to, since 2012. The farm system is is pretty barren right now. Um, having said that, uh, Russ said that he could see them being aggressive, trying to get a Jacob Trouba, which wouldn't just be a you know buy now trade. Uh, they would be, you know, obviously his situation, his age, and so forth. Or Kevin Shattenkirk, which who is a, who is going to be uh, a UFA at season's end, and he could see them dangling uh, a Brandon Skay or Pavel Ben Ben uh, Benvich, as I butcher his name. But interesting, <laughs> also got an email from Philip Iver of uh, of the co-host of the AIH two hundred four one six podcast. You can follow him at Philip A Iver. And he said he'd be shocked if the Jets trade Truba. He said he's incredibly important to Winnipeg. And it's almost like Chevrolet off the Jets GM would need an equivalent defenseman to return. And I thought to see a trade like that happening. So where do you guys, and uh, uh, start with Zach with this, see the Rangers? Do they, to beat a Pittsburgh or to, to beat a to Washington, do they have to add a, na a big now piece like a Shattenkirk? And, I mean, is it crazy town to continue to, for them to trade futures? Uh, they, it's definitely crazy to keep uh, trading the futures as they have. They, their prospect, 
depth really starts and ends with Pavel uh, Buchnevich. That's really what they've got. They got really lucky in the Jimmy uh, Vesey sweepstakes. And other than that, you know, they've, they've got some nice young players in a JT Miller or uh Zibanejad. But you look down who they've got in Hartford, um, there's just not a whole lot there, right? You know, there's you got maybe Boo Neves, maybe. Um, you know, uh, Robin Kovacs coming over hasn't uh, acclimated well to the North American style of game. Um, and so the, you've got to at some point start uh, either finding those late round gems, a la Doug Wilson in San Jose, or you need to at least hold on to your picks. Um, regarding the defense, uh, and especially Jacob Truba, I completely agree with, with uh, Philip over at AIH. Truba coming out of Winnipeg would take an absolute king's ransom. It, it would take something that would even beat a, a Matthew Shane level uh, you know, return. It, it would literally take the, the farm, and you'd have to throw in the pickup truck. Um, for that deal to make sense. Um, I I don't think that the Rangers are in a situation to make it through the East at all. I agree there. Um, You know, Stahl and Girardi have been hit and miss. Um, And after McDonough, um, there's not a whole heck of a lot. And especially with Adam Clendelli, who's played really well and seems to struggle to get in the lineup. So whatever's going on in that defense, it's not working. Yeah, I, I would I would have to agree uh, with Zach, and uh, but I while the prospect cupboard is pretty bare, so I, I think that would preclude getting Truba. And uh, yeah, I think man, any deal for Truba is going to be a monster of a deal. Uh, and I I don't think the Rangers could offer enough. Uh, not to mention that the, the biggest stumbling block, I think, is is uh, Stahl and Girardi and their no move clauses, and mm-hmm. and their cap hits uh, for the years to come. Um, so, but you know, the at the same time, if I'm the Rangers, I'm looking at Henrik Lundqvist and the fact that he's 34 and he's having uh, an uncharacteristically, um, well, by his standards, a bad season. Um, his his save percentage is nine eleven. Last year it was nine twenty two, and he just he hasn't been himself. And and you have to wonder, uh, is is this the beginning of his window closing? And uh, do do you want to make one last run? Can you make a move uh, that's that's going to potentially get you past Pittsburgh and Washington and so forth? And I just, I, I don't see it at this point in time. I don't see a move that they can make to do that. I got one more before I hand it back, back to Mark for all three. If I told, and we'll go Zach, Matt, and then Mark. If I told all you guys I've seen the crystal ball and there's going to be one big buyer by the time the trade deadline ends, Give me who you think it would best bet who it would be and why. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! It's tough this year with everybody so close, man. Yeah, you know, 
man, I, you know, I, again, I, I just, I'm not seeing the huge buyer market. You look at some of the prices that are out there for the big pieces and they're asking a lot and, and it's, it's tough just to make the numbers work, make the roster spots work. I don't know if anyone's going to be a huge, I just really don't see a, a real big buyer. The only thing that I, I think might happen is you might get a desperate team like a Vancouver Canucks making, you know, kind of a, a silly trade to, to try to stay in it as opposed as opposed to staying the course. Uh, but then again, for the Canucks, it's debatable on if there is a, even is a course. Um, I just exactly. don't see a, many teams really making massive trades here. I think there's going to be a good bit of tinkering, but all these names that we're talking about, I really think the the serious talks and the serious discussions begin after the expansion draft. What about you, Matt? I, I see, I see one team in particular uh, that has the potential to be very aggressive at the deadline. And, and I think, they would be wise to do so, and that is Edmonton. Uh, they, at the deadline, they're going to have, I think, $20.6 million in cap space, uh, so they could add an experienced backup goalie, a defenseman, a forward or two, uh, you know, some, some veterans to mentor their youngsters. And uh, I, I think the benefit of making those moves uh, would be getting – guys like Dreisaitl and McDavid, uh, some good playoff experience this year. I, I think with the right moves, uh, they have the potential to at least make it into the second round, um, maybe even to the conference final. Uh, and uh, if, But if they can at least make it into the second round, I, I think it's worth it to, to get those kids that experience and, and with with twenty point six million in cap space at the deadline, I, I think they should go for it. Well, the only thing I would say that uh, before we uh, go go to Mark is um, uh, we had, I got some input from Rob Storia at Oil Drop of the Hockey Writers, and that is um, you know the Oilers uh, and again Zach can speak better than I. Their prospect pipeline is is probably worse than maybe the Rangers and. Uh, you know, would you be? Would you think the Oilers be willing to give up a first-round pick, which is probably, or you know, I don't think they're going to give up Pujarvi from last year. Would they give up a first-round pick uh, to to add that piece? Well, I think I think given given that this year's draft is is relatively weak, um, and and if they think by making uh, a move they can make it into the second round of the playoffs or, or go further then then yeah I could I could see them doing that and and as far as their prospect pool being weak I, I think you can chalk part of that up to the fact that uh, all of their top prospects are playing for them right now <laughs> right but, or been uh, traded away well, and, uh, yeah yeah and uh, well and you know you keep hearing rumors about them shopping Eberly or maybe Nugent Hawkins uh, so, I, I think they I think they have a lot of options and and they've got more flexibility than just about anyone else. What yeah, think, Mark, I, I agree, and I was well, I was okay, go I was going to go with that for just the just the same reasons that 
um, that Matt just gave is the, the cap space and the roster um, flexibility that they have. Um, I want to bring up another team that that's interesting and they're kind of on a parallel path as, as Edmonton is Toronto is, is, you know, we're supposed to get five years of pain according to coach Babcock, but you know, before the season, I really wanted to see Nylander, Marner, and Matthews all on that roster, all playing together and all learning, you know, up in the game. And I have not been disappointed. Um, th- since Zach is, is deeper into prospect pools, writing for the Dauber prospects than any any of us, um, what's Toronto have in the pipeline? And what do you think? I, I think experience, playoff experience, it might be something that would be really valuable to the Maple Leafs, and maybe maybe they're just willing to uh, let the kids grow together, keep the roster where it is right now, and see what the season brings, and and do moves in the off season. What do you think about um, Toronto? Um, you know, touching back real quick to Edmonton, I you know they they have Jesse Pulley-Arvey down there with Bakersfield. Um, you know, they've got a couple pieces, I think, like a Joey Lelegia, Um, Maybe, you know, further down the road, playing in the WHL, they've got Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones. But they've got some pieces, but I don't think anything that would help them make a major splash and getting rid of Pugliarvi would be a mistake. Um, you know, if they can trade some middle-level picks to absorb some salary, that is something that – it's interesting. Um, and, and certainly – could help their, you know, their kids develop a little bit. So I think that's a good point uh, by both these gentlemen. Um, with Toronto, you know, they've got some pieces down with, with the Marlies. Uh, you know, they, they traded for Kirby Reichel. They've got Kasperi uh, Kapanen down there, uh, Tima Schaff. Uh, Brandon Lips, uh, Lipsick uh, has been playing outstanding out there. They've buried Frank uh, Corrado. So they've definitely got some some tangible pieces. I don't think that they're, uh, you know, there's certainly no super blue chippers like what we're seeing that's already playing with them. The thing to remember with Toronto, though, is they have three second rounders uh, this year. They have their own, they have the Sharks, and they have Ottawa's. Um, so they have a, an enticing piece where if the market um, goes the way I think it will, where teams might get desperate to, bring in, you know, a pick or move a UFA. I think Toronto, if they're patient, could pick up somebody on the cheap that would help them down the playoff runs if they're patient. I completely agree with the Shanna plan. Uh, I've bought in whole hog. I'm a little surprised to see Marner doing as phenomenally as he is with his size, but he's found a way. He's, he's made a believer out of me after me I had too. some serious doubts um, earlier this, you know, especially this summer. Um, but you know, the, Hey, if you could dangle, a, you know, a, a second and a fourth for, you know, a, a really helpful, uh, experienced veteran, uh, um, Patrick Sharp, if you will. Yeah. I probably, you know, after being forced to watch Roman Polak zone exits last summer with the San Jose Sharks, <laughs> you know, maybe even upgrading back, uh, you know, on, on the blue line, getting some more. Uh, yeah. I, I just worry if he fits in the Shanna plan, you know, they've, they've already got Robodos Island over there who finally comes off the books. 
Um, that's the kind of deal that if Toronto were to make, it, it would have to be a sign and trade. Um, and the, right. you know, you would have to be certain that he was sticking around. Um, I think kind of like a Jake Muzzin here would, would make a lot more sense. You know, at, at a, he's locked up. He's more affordable. He, he's really a solid two-way transition style defender that would fit slot in well with their style of play. Um, but Toronto's got some pieces. I think if they're patient, could pick up somebody on the cheap. A little disappointed you didn't mention Jeremy Bracco out of Long Island there, Zach. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be, I think, a little bit further further down for them. But you know, they've they've got they've got some pieces. I think they're more um, they're gonna slot in in more of a complementary role. I think Bracco probably has. Um, I, I think he swings both ways. I, I'm I, I still have some reservations, but you know, with what oh. he's been able to show, um, I think his ceiling is probably the best. Out of out of the prospects that are left. Well, then I'll go back to uh, the team I was talking about earlier. As far as your que- que- earlier question, Chris, <laughs> I think I think Anaheim has uh, real potential, and they know, you know, there's there's some good young defensemen that they're going to move, and you know, depending on their trading partner. Um, I, I still think Anaheim's core roster, which is is on the you know, they've been around forever, but they're they're not old. I think if they can get the right the right maybe top six and a pick for a couple of those defensemen, you could you could see. And Anaheim notoriously is a trade deadline team. Um, you tend to see a lot of a movement out of the Anaheim camp. Um, I, I think they might be one of the busier teams as well, Chris. Yeah, um, obviously, I think Anaheim, you know, uh, could match up uh, with Dallas. Um, you know, maybe they can trade a Jacob Larson. Um, I don't think they would trade Max Jones, but that's just a guess. Um, you know, the one thing you keep saying, uh, you know, Anaheim could go eight skaters, so then they could protect four forwards and. I haven't done the expansion uh, calculations, which I'm going to do. So next month again, take another look at it. Uh, so the question is, do you want to lose one of those defensemen, or do you want to lose Jacob Silverberg? So that's just something to throw out there. So, but yeah, they. I mean, I, I think as is, I, I'm not confident that Anaheim. Um, you know, if they, if they, let's say San Jose won the division, which I believe they will, and Anaheim plays Edmonton, I like Anaheim's chances. Uh, you know, obviously beating beating an Edmonton, not that Edmonton can't beat them, but you know, to me, at the end of the day, if you know Anaheim's going to play San Jose, Chicago, or even Minnesota, or even St. Louis, I'm I'm not sold. I mean, I I think they're the underdog in that series. So, again, some like some of these other teams we've mentioned, I think they do need to make a deal uh, to to get better, and and that means scoring because uh, uh, you know they always seem to be on the wrong side of these games, 2-1, 3-2, uh, come playoff time. Well, all right, boys, we're coming up to the end of our time. Let me uh, let me go over to Matt real quick. Uh, any final hits for us before we let you go, sir? Well, uh, I, I have to say that uh, I'm a bit surprised that in 
discussing the sharks, uh, Zach didn't mention the possibility of maybe adding a veteran backup goalie, say Antti Niemi or Kari Lettinen for Aaron Dell. Uh, I, I think I think uh, you know I can I can give you Jim Neal's phone number if you want to get that done. Uh, Aaron Dell currently has a 9.30 save percent average. He's sitting fifth in the NHL in save percentage among all goalies with 10 plus uh, games played. The Aaron Dell question uh, I think was really solved last night. He is the San Jose Sharks backup, and if Peter DeBoer continues to run Martin Jones into the ground, uh, it's squarely on the coaching staff. He has every reason to believe in it in Aaron Dell. But 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 see Zach Aaron Dell is unproven in the NHL playoffs, whereas Antti Niemi has a cup. And, well, uh, you have to also, remember the Sharks have also seen Antti Niemi quite extensively in the playoffs, and so I think that immediately shoots that out of the water. <laughs> Good try, Matt. Good try, well, buddy. I, I, Keep, I, good try. I, for effort. I gave it my effort. best shot. Oh no, I, you know if if it, I I think you already had me sitting down in the car. I just couldn't quite turn the engine. Yeah, <laughs> the bag of pucks comes to I, mind. I got let me go. Before, I have one, let me get, one more big question. Let me get to you after. You let me get to you after that, Chris. Okay. Let me get to you after. Um, things to look for. Um, coming up at the deadline, your final hits before Chris gets his final hits in, Zach. Um, I, I think the the real story is just going to be it's it's going to be a a, a a tinkering time. Um, you know, I kind of shared my thoughts for, for the Sharks specifically on the backup. Uh, while I do appreciate uh, Matt's salesmanship, uh, you know, I, I think that <laughs> Dell can certainly jump in there for uh, a Reimer-type run here in March to rest uh, Jones. For the Sharks, I think they might add, you know, I think a Patrick Eves uh, with his, you know, million-dollar salary. Um it might make sense to add some scoring depth depending on what Doug Wilson and Peter DeBoer feel they've got in the young players like a Kevin LeBanc and a Timo Meyer if they're ready for, you know, a really long, hard spring like the Sharks are planning for. Uh, one player that I don't think um, we talked much about was Detroit's Thomas Vanek, and I think he's going to be a player that uh, a lot of teams are going to clamor to add uh, as Detroit really – finally misses the playoffs and is forced to take a real hard look in the mirror um, on what they're going to do. And with St. Louis, I, I think that they, you know, their goaltending situation after the Hitchcock firing, it was, um, they seem to have rebounded a bit. Uh, I do think they trade Shattenkirk, but I, I'm a little hesitant to, to think they're going to pull a trigger on the goalie because of the expansion draft. But I think this summer they'll revisit it. Okay, Chris, what do you got? Yeah, that was uh, Shine Kirk is my last question in the Blues. Obviously, the Blues have played better, you know, this past week or so, and now we're in the third spot, although Nashville's just a couple points behind them as they've had a bad week, as I mentioned before. You know, if you're the Blues guys, uh, we'll go Matt first and then Zach. Um, you know, what do you do here? I mean, uh, uh, do, you, do, do you just keep Shine Kirk, keep the team as is, you know you're going to probably lose them in free agency and let the chips fall where they may. 
you know, do you try to make a hockey trade with him and improve yourself somewhere else? Or where, uh, where would that be other than goal? Or do you sell him? Do you sell him for uh, uh, futures? But then that's going to hurt the team now. But he's kind of a, you know, he, he's very similar to Keith Yandel, I think. So could they get by, you know, without him? But what kind of signal does that send? What what do the Blues do with this situation, which is kind of a tough tough call? First Matt and then, and then Zach. Well, I I think you can't really look at Shattenkirk in a vacuum. You, you got to look at everything else that's going on with the Blues. You know, uh, Robbie Fabry's out for the season, uh, and that's that's a significant loss for them. Uh, Jake Allen has has not just taken hold of the crease like they hoped he would. Uh, so they've the Blues have some question marks for sure, and um, as to whether they move Shattenkirk and where he ends up, I, it's it's so hard to say because there's so many possibilities. I mean, I could with Fabry out, I could see uh, Martin Hansel to St. Louis becoming more of a possibility, and and if so, do they send Shattenkirk to Arizona? I would think Arizona would only agree to that if they knew they could re-sign him. Um, I don't know. Uh, I could see. Tampa sending Ben Bishop and a defenseman, say Jason Garrison, uh, to the Blues. Um, or for what in return, I don't know. Um, but I think I think Tampa would like to get something for Bishop, and uh, if they could move out uh, a big contract like Garrison, I mean it's 4.6 mil, but they they need to reduce their cap hit as much as possible because of all the ARFAs they have to re-sign this summer. Um, so it's, you know, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to go with the cop out and say, I don't know what they do with Shattenkirk, but I think there are a lot of possibilities there. There could be a couple of trades that the blues make at the deadline. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I agree completely with Matt. Um, I, I think uh, you know, he brought up two good teams there. Um, obviously, we're talking about St. Louis, but also Tampa Bay. Um, they're on the outside uh, of the playoffs, if I remember correctly right now. Um, you know, they have a player like Brian Boyle, who I think could fit in that that tinkering mold that uh, teams getting ready for a run could look for, for depth. Um, I, I think that teams that can be patient might be able to pick up some of these players, especially the UFAs, really on the cheap, knowing that, hey, they're a rental. They're here for the next, you know, 45 days, and then they're gone. Um, I think the Blues have to move Kevin Shattenkirk for whatever they can get because he's gone in the po- in, in the offseason no matter what. So if you're – at some point, they're going to blink and they're going to have to move him because you have a Colton Pareko waiting in the wings to assume that mantle, a player that I'm huge on, and I think he very easily replaces Shattenkirk with improved defense. So you've got to make that move to make room on your roster for your young player that's going to be better and cheaper. Um, so I think the teams that can be patient, um, there might be some very good deals in the last couple hours uh, before the trade deadline. Also, Patrick Berglund, you know, that's another play we haven't even mentioned. And he's a little more expensive at 3.7, but he's only 28. Um, you know, so a, a team that is looking to add for the foreseeable future, um, 
you know, that, that might be a player uh, of interest as well. Well, go, since, since we went down to Florida and we have, you know, just a couple minutes left real quick, um, Tampa Bay, um, I, I don't know if they've had a chemistry issue. I don't know if, you know, Bishop's injuries and, Va- and, and Vasilevsky trying to take that number one workload and just, just, you know, long-term not being, you know, ready for that. Um, or, or what else is going on in Tampa, but even without Stammer, I expected them to be right in the middle of the playoff hunt and they're just not. Um, let me, let me start with, with Zach again, um, real quick down into Tampa. What, what's their prognosis here at the trade deadline? Are they maybe move out a couple of, cause they, they have a lot of depth on forward and they're getting thinner on defense. Do they try and do a little tinker move to where one of their, one of their depth forwards or two goes for uh, an attempt at a top four center. Yeah. You know, Tyler Johnson, top, top uh, four defenseman. Yeah. Uh, Andre Palat, uh, Jonathan drew those are all RFAs, you know, that are coming up. So they're going to have some real big decisions on what they're going to do with that roster. Um, right. You know, uh, Ryan Callahan has been out injured as well. You know, he's, he, he's a, a, a big part of that team. Um, Bishop has been hot and cold as really has been, you know, he's had good years and bad years. He has consistency has not been a word you associated with Ben Bishop at any point. Um, I, I think the best thing for Tampa is to sell off some of the extra pieces to get yourself, um, some, some cap space, uh, to get those key players moving forward that you're going to need to get under contract going, um, maybe improve your draft station a little bit. Th- this year's draft might not have generational talent, but I'm liking it down, you know, into the 16, 17 range. So just inside the playoffs. So they're still going to get some really nice players, you know, that are, are, are coming in there. Uh, it, this might be that retool year. We saw the Sharks do it after that real bad 06 season where they were able to draft. Um, I think it was 06, but they drafted Logan Couture, coming out of it. And then they did it again, you know, with Timo Meyer. So, you know, this could be the year where they just kind of hit the pause button, not even a reset. And maybe in the middle of, of that uh, first round, pick up a, a Yuso Valamaki, a Robin Sallow, um, maybe even a, a, a Cody Glass or Elias Anderson. It's one of those, you know, players that are, it's going to take uh, a couple years, but it's going to be available to you um, as Druan and some of these younger players really hit the meat of their of their careers. And and one thing, as you go towards the deadline and you know you have a, a, a asset like Ben Bishop, is it a mistake that they didn't move him if that's their intent? It's the longer you go into it holding on to him, the less return you're going to get because other teams know that <coughs> that where you're at with him. Was it a mistake not to move him before the season? I think definitely. I think they should have moved him for the best available offer. You know that Veseleski's the future. Um, again, I'm always a fan of getting the pain over with. Once you get surgery done, you can start with the recovery. And it's not like a situation in, in Pittsburgh where you've got Marc-Andre Fleury who's under contract for years, and so you can dangle cap certainty in front of a team with a you know with a top 15 goalie. Um Ben Bishop is, you know, he's he's a UFA. 
Um, he wasn't part of the long-term plan there. I think that is going to, when we look back, that's going to be a misstep. I think so too. He's my number one hope. Um, if, if they don't sign and trade where he does go to UFA, remember the Vegas Knights have the, the exclusive two-day two window to negotiate with other teams' free agents. And if if you could start your franchise with, with Ben Bishop, I, I think you could do a whole lot worse. Um, yeah. So I, I do think that that was, was a mistake on it. And I could see what he's thinking coming out of the Eastern Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals and being able to ride that goaltending tandem. If it did get you a cup, then you could be forgiven for keeping that asset and then losing him to free agency. But now now where they're at, I think they're almost – almost looking to to have to move him now matt what say you on the tampa bay lightning well i i i hesitate to say it was a mistake not to move him i mean I, you know hindsight's 2020 uh and uh i can i can see where uh eiserman might have wanted to keep him around for this season make another run at the cup and sure and I think, as as we discussed, I think the last time I was on the show, it, it may be that the sticking point is that Eiserman is insisting on moving another contract, say, uh, Philpola and, and his $5 million cap hit, uh, or Jason Garrison and his $4.6 million cap hit, you know, telling teams, okay, you can have Bishop, but you've got to take one of these contracts as well. Um, and that that may be the reason he hasn't moved Bishop yet. And it'll be interesting to see if someone, say St. Louis, uh, especially with Fabry out says, yeah, we'll take Philpola and Bishop. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe they send Shattenkirk plus back the other way. Who knows? Who knows? That would but I, I could see something like that. Yeah. And you but mentioned earlier, goal, Edmund. Goal, yeah, I was just going to say in terms of goalies and George McPhee, I got a feeling he is praying that Philip Grubauer, between the trade deadline and uh, the, the window of trades after the Stanley Cup and expansion draft, is somehow still on Washington. And if I was that 26-year-old GM in Arizona, I would be trying to pry him away now from Washington, knowing Washington's going to lose him. Who knows? Maybe, I mean, would Shane, wouldn't Shane Doan to Washington be a good pickup? And could they get Grubauer for Doan? You know, something like that. Interesting, interesting. Well, well, boys, we're 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 right up against it, and and we we didn't even get to talk Arizona, and I think that could also be one of the busier teams, be given, you know, their expectations this year and what actually ended up happening down there. Um, but we are out of time, so thank you, boys, for coming in and and letting us figure out what's what may or may not be happening with with a lot of the teams around the National Hockey League at the trade deadline. We had uh, Zachary Devine. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Zach the Bear. That's C A K K the Bear. Uh, he writes Dauber prospects, hockey profits, and for the the HockeyWriters.com with the San Jose Sharks. We've had Matt Pryor at Big Tex twenty six on Twitter. He also, I'm at Big Tex nineteen twenty six. Didn't I say that, or did I just say twenty six? No, you said twenty six. Yeah, you said twenty six. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Big Tex nineteen twenty six. He's he's the lead Dallas writer for the Hockey Writers, and also covers the Florida Panthers at the Hockey Writers as well. And 
keep your eye open for the biography that he has coming out. We mentioned it in the intro. Um, re real quick, Matt, I'll let you, I'll let you get a, uh, about 30 seconds on, on the biography. When can we look for it? Uh, you know, it is still TBD, uh, but okay. uh, it's a work in progress. I'm, I'm moving forward with it. Uh, it's a biography of Tex Rickard, the man who founded the Madison Square Garden Corporation, uh, founded uh, the New York Rangers, and uh, built MSG3 and the Boston Garden and almost single-handedly transformed sport into big business. Yeah, definitely, definitely a story worth telling, a hundred percent. And, and uh, I'm sure, knowing you, it'll be a, a story well written and worth reading. So we'll keep our eye on it. Uh, Chris, we're right up against it, sir. You could follow Chris at the NL King on Twitter for all of his Islanders content over at IonIslesFS.com. Um, boys, thanks a lot. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we got to get out of here for Chris, Matt. Mark and Zach, we're gone.